You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how the Packers fall in Baltimore 26-13 to on a sloppy, sluggish, and uninspiring performance Thursday night. And it is not the kind of thing that we were expecting because just minutes, well, 45-ish minutes before the game, we found Aaron Rodgers not going to play despite the fact that it sounded like he was going to get two, maybe three series in this game, uh, had his back tighten up, and this was precautionary, not expected to be long-term. Uh, you know, I did, did, does it matter? I don't think so. I mean, Matt LaFleur said after the game he didn't think Aaron Rodgers needed to play at all in the preseason, uh, but they wanted to get him to play in the preseason, and, and of course you want to get those reps. Those reps are important. But so what that gave us was the battle of the backups. And this is among the most contested topics in Packer Nation. And that is because there is this cult of following around Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle finished Thursday night 12 of 21 for 107. 12 of 21 for 107. 5.1 yards per attempt with a touchdown. And still has no idea what to do when when pressure is on. Ball placement, even in a clean pocket, remains a huge problem. And yet, because he made a couple nice throws, he is somehow much better than Deshaun Kaiser. I'm not going to get on my soapbox about this again because we talked about it earlier in the week. But Deshaun Kaiser, the numbers are not super cute. (laughs) 5 of 12 for 70 yards. No touchdowns, no picks. Uh, But... You know, he made a couple stick throws, a couple strong throws. It's interesting, and we're going to talk about this uh, a little bit later in the podcast, but on a night when the quarterbacks and their struggles, in the case of the Packers, uh, was a major story, the the bright spots for the Packers were receivers. And that's that's unique, you know, given that the, if the quarterbacks are going to struggle, generally you're not going to be like, oh, you know who was great? The receivers. That's just not usually how that works, but it is how it worked uh, tonight, which is when we're recording this. This is it is uh, still tonight, and hopefully you're listening to this tonight. Especially on the West Coast, you should certainly be listening to this. Uh, this is going to be our modus operandi on these preseason games. We're going to try and get these shows up as as soon as possible after, because uh, then you have all day Friday if you missed it. Uh, and if you didn't, then you get to listen to it right away. We get an instant reaction to everything that's gone on. 
I continue to believe that Deshaun Kaiser is the clear favorite over Tim Boyle. I think we know what Tim Boyle is. As an undrafted free agent, he is a big, tall, strong-armed quarterback who struggles with ball placement, who is fearless when he has a clean pocket and is willing to push the ball down the field. That is great. He is an inconsistent quarterback when it comes to ball placement. Had Darius Shepard wide open for a touchdown, missed the throw. Uh, and and a number of times with pressure in his face, cannot stand in there and make a throw, and, and even when he just sort of feels the pressure, can't move off his spot. If he's able to just sit back there and, and sling it, yeah, he can, make, he can make every throw. Now, he doesn't do it consistently, and that's part of his problem. Deshaun Kaiser, the, the start was a little shaky, but then he settles in. He makes a couple of laser throws to Jake Kumaro, has a great blitz read and hot throw to Kumaro for a big play on a first down, or to get a first down, has another play where he stands in the pocket, faces pressure, and makes a throw to Jake Kumaro on the sidelines. So those are play against starters, against Earl Thomas, against a, a really good Baltimore Ravens defense, a deep Baltimore Ravens defense, against Marlon Humphrey, against Brandon Carr, against these these. This is this is one of the best defenses in football. It, it could be a top three, top five, top one. It could be the best defense in football. And Deshaun Kaiser was the guy in there, not Aaron Rodgers. We thought we were going to get a lesson in this offense. Instead, we got Deshaun Kaiser and some struggles. And, you know, there was some sloppiness. There was some penalties. There was a really bad exchange between Tim Boyle and Dexter Williams that resulted in a fumble. I mean, I think blame goes on both of those guys for that play. The quarterback will probably tell you that's on him. The running back is going to tell you he should have had it. From my perspective, it was on the quarterback, but, you know, it it doesn't matter. It's not impressive for either of them. Dexter Williams had a nightmare of a game after having a really nice game uh, last week. We're going to get to those those rookie struggles also a little bit later. This quarterback situation, though, to me... It, it just it doesn't move the needle enough for me to get worked up about it. And part of the reason is because, as I have said over and over and over and over, uh, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, the season's over. If, if it's an extended period of time injury. And you can't look over the course of league history, now recency bias being what it is, but you can't look over the course of league history at too many occasions and certainly not in modern league history, where a a star quarterback goes down and in a two or a three game stretch, let's say, because this is the argument. What if what if it's not a serious injury? What if Rodgers just goes down and he misses three or four games? Then what? How many times in modern league history have there been a quarterback, a star, a superstar, an Aaron Rodgers level quarterback? Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron, I mean, Tom Brady, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, these kinds of guys. How many times have they gone down and in a three or four game stretch, a backup has come in and won two or three games to keep their season on track? Not that many, and certainly not that many outside of the Patriots universe. Tom Brady gets suspended for four games. They go three and one uh, because 
Bill Belichick is a wizard. But Peyton Manning goes down, and the, the Colts are suddenly the worst team in football. And when when the Saints rested Drew Brees, and they brought in Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, who is supposed to be, he was a quarterback I really liked coming out of school, supposed to be, if not the best, one of the three best, maybe, backup QBs in football. He looked terrible. So what are you really getting? I mean, every 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 couple of years, Derek Anderson comes in for Cam Newton and wins a game. But then there are other games where he comes in and is just absolute garbage trash. So why am I supposed to care about this? I, the role of a backup quarterback is to give your defense a solid look in practice. That's the role of a backup quarterback. I, beyond that, I just don't care unless your quarterback is mediocre. You know, if you're Tennessee and you're Marcus Mariota and you haven't shown a ton in the NFL, you know, you've shown some upside, but it's not consistent and you're injury prone and you're a running quarterback. Also, then having Ryan Tannehill makes sense. You need that. But if you're the Saints and and Drew Brees goes down in week four, your season is over. You are not winning the Super Bowl with Teddy Bridgewater. So why anyone cares about this, I just, frankly, I don't know. But there is still wailing and gnashing of teeth in Packers Nation over it. There are not really any good options out there. You want Brock Osweiler? You want to prime Mark Sanchez out of retirement? You want Brandon Whedon? Are those guys going to change the fortunes of the Green Bay Packers if Aaron Rodgers goes down? I mean, give me a break. So suddenly Deshaun Kaiser, a 23-year-old, who is younger than multiple quarterbacks who were taken you know, in the top four or five rounds this year of this draft. This is year three, and he is still younger than quarterbacks being drafted. There are quarterbacks in the next draft that he'll be younger than. That is, there is still talent there to be developed. I am not, I'm not throwing that away. Now, I think next year the Packers should draft a quarterback because Deshaun Kaiser ain't it. But I, we don't have to have a discussion about the, the, the succession plan. I'm not there yet. But I, I don't think anyone should look at what happened Thursday night and suddenly say, oh, the Packers are in desperate need of a, of a veteran. We're not even going to have the Colin Kaepernick conversation because it's not worth having. It's not happening. If it were going to happen, it would have happened in 2017. We're three years removed from that now almost. It's just not happening, and no one should expect it to happen. So... I don't think anyone should get worked up about it. I think the the more telling information comes from the players on the receiving end of those throws, not the people making those throws. And that's what we're going to talk about in just a second. So the bright spots for the Packers on Thursday night, um, it was for me, it was three receivers, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumaro, Darius Shepard, and Curtis Bolton. And, and, I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on Curtis Bolton because he's a guy that we spent a lot of time this week talking about and we have a uh, a rookie orientation series coming on him next week but he tied for the game high in tackles had a TFL really had two TFLs I don't know why he wasn't credited for two but had two and then had the the deflection interception off of Tony Brown deflection Plus special teams tackles. 
I mean, he can be a core special teams player and a defensive player and, you know, be the, the guy that fills in for Oren Burks. And right now, I mean, I think you can make the case that through two games, Curtis Bolton's two preseason games were as impressive, if not more, than anything Oren Burks showed last season. Now, I'm not jumping off the Oren Burks train by any means. I still think he can be a very good coverage player. I still think he is a, a very impressive young man, and I think that if you're going to bank on someone overcoming adversity, he's the kind of guy that you're going to do it with. Curtis Bolton might just straight up take his job. And the Packers, I don't think, would be particularly upset about it because if he does, it means that Curtis Bolton is playing really, really, really well. And guess what? Curtis Bolton is playing really, really really well for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, we're going to get to Ty Summers, who ended up with another nice tackle sheet, but he could have had, you know, he had five, could have had 10, maybe more, and just fell off these dudes. That's not what Curtis Bolden is. He is finishing plays. He is seeing the field, reacting, and then finishing the play. That is an important trait. It's a critical trait. If you're going to be an inside linebacker, I mean, that's just, that's just the reality of playing linebacker in the NFL. It's not enough to just know what's going to, what's going to happen and have a nose for the ball. You have to be able to get there and finish. And Curtis Bolton has done that now on the receiver side, Jay Kumaro is out there. You know, Devontae Adams gets the first series, Geronimo Allison, MVS. That they're the top three receivers. They opened in 11 personnel with those three receivers and Jimmy Graham. That's your top three. So let's not have any discussions about Jake Kumaro and where he is in the hierarchy. He is no higher than, than receiver three right now. That could change, but right now he's no higher than receiver three. But he's also no lower than receiver four. I think he is, he is sort of locked in right now to that fourth receiver spot. Equinemius St. Brown has not made any plays in these preseason games. Now, that doesn't mean that he can't make plays, and that doesn't mean that he is not talented enough to make plays. I'm still a huge EQ fan, but there's no question that Alan Lazard has made more plays in his playing time in the preseason. Had another big game in this one, in, in limited targets. Caught three of his four targets for 63 yards. Big plays over the middle of the field. Jake Kumaro catches three times for, for 52 yards in five targets. Did have a drop, a bad drop right in his hands. Had another uh, had another pass that Tim Boyle just skipped at his feet. And Darius Shepard, three catches, 11 yards, and a touchdown. He also had a drop on third down, a play he should have made. But as a returner, he showed some things. And then that, that catch in the back of the end zone was a thing of beauty. The receiver hierarchy right now is difficult to project. It really is. And I think right now the top four is very clearly defined, as we discussed. Adams, Allison, MVS, Kumaro. That's the four. After that, it's a lot of questions. I mean, for me, I would keep EQ and, and Darius Shepard. Hope you can sneak Alan Lazard onto the practice squad. And then, sorry, Jamon Moore, you bye. We're done. We Got to be done because the the you've fallen so far down the depth chart 
that there's there's almost no coming back at this point. I mean, maybe there maybe there is with with a couple great weeks and and some big preseason games and stuff like that, but man, it just seems like he is not even someone quarterbacks are looking at because they don't trust him to make the play. And when you don't have the trust of your quarterback, you're not going to see the ball. And that's just, it's an untenable situation to be in as a receiver where your quarterbacks don't trust you. Aaron Rodgers trusts Jake Kumaro. Deshaun Kaiser trusts Jake Kumaro. That's why he gets targets. So if your quarterbacks don't trust you, you're not going to get the ball thrown to you. You're not going to be able to produce and show what you have to do. And then you're not going to make the team. That's where Jamon Moore is. And there are plenty of other guys, you know, in the same sort of boat. You know, T.O. Redding is not getting opportunities, so he can't show much. That's just the nature of being a back-end receiver on an NFL team. He's not going to get those opportunities. So anytime he gets a pass, he's going to have to make a big play with it if he wants to catch the attention of the coaches. We're not there yet with him. But none of this really matters. I mean, really matters until we see Aaron Rodgers on the field. That was what was so disappointing about him being a late scratch was you wanted to see him with Jay Kumaro. You wanted to see him with Geronimo Allison and MVS and Devontae Adams. See them connect a little bit. You wanted to see him make a stick throw to Jimmy Graham. You wanted to see, does he ch- does he trust Darius Shepard? How does he feel about throwing the ball to Equinemius St. Brown? Those are things that we, we don't have clear answers to, and we still don't after this game because Rodgers didn't play. So... You know, there, there are some things to like about some of these young players. And I think the Packers have to be really happy with the way that Curtis Bolton played. You know, some other guys that, that we sort of expected to come in and play well. You know, I felt like Zadarius Smith came in and played really well. Uh, I liked what I saw in the, in the limited run from Darnell Savage, from Adrian Amos. I mean, this is not going to be the defense that we see come week one and I mentioned that that look this is a very strange very unique and truly unique uh, offense for the Ravens not being able to play great against them is not the end of the world and look they gave up 13 points in the first half they gave up six as a starting unit they gave up some runs on the ground but then tightened up in the red zone some some penalties aided it but that Willie Sneed block was a crackback block it was it was the new blindside block rule and it's just not allowed anymore. You can be mad about it, but that's the rule now. So the Packers defense ultimately got the stop. That's what they need to do. They're going to give up some yards on the ground. They're happy to do that. But I'm sure Mike Patton believes if we can make you kick field goals, our offense is going to is going to get you beat because we're going to get in the end zone. I think I, I am very sure that's how Mike Patton looks at this. There was the Dom Capers bend not break. This isn't really that, but it's more just like if you want to move the ball on the ground, if that's how you want to move the ball, we don't want you to move the ball through the air. That's what Mike Patton is saying. But if you're going to move the ball, it better be through the ground. And if you're going to do that, that's fine. But then we're going to make you kick field goals once you get down into the red zone. And I think that is a, a fine strategy in the modern NFL. So... The flip side of all of that is the guys that struggled. And I think number one on the list for Packer fans is going to be Rashawn Gary. 
And a lot of a lot of people, myself included, said, you know, let's see what he's got in the second week of the preseason. Officially, on the stat sheet, officially, on the stat sheet, Sean Gary's name does not appear. And he played a lot. He played like three quarters. And his name is not on the stat sheet. It's not great. It's really not great. And for someone who is so impressive in practice and wins these one-on-one matchups, why do we not see it through two games? Now, this is just preseason. And he's a young kid. And he's adjusting to a new position, really. And a new defense. And the NFL and all this stuff. All that stuff's true. But you'd like him to just luck into a play here and there. Just athlete yourself into a play. Or just demonstrate, you know, supreme understanding. You know, the really bad play was was one where he got sucked in on fourth down, totally lost sight of the ball, and Trace McSorley scampered for a first down. Those are the kinds of plays that when you are a, a run-stuffing standout at Michigan and you're praised by your defensive coordinator on this show for your intelligence and your leadership that you can't make. You can't make those mistakes. It's going to be a learning process for Rashawn Gary. And, and you know, I think Green Bay understood that when they drafted him. I think anyone that drafted him understood it was going to be a work in progress and that year one was not going to be a finished product. So I want to have upfront expectations about what, what Rashawn Gary is and what he is likely to be in 2019. That said, you'd like to see a little bit more out of a guy that you take top 15 and that you take over other guys who are producing at a higher level. You know, I I made the case last week, you know, let's not box score scout on Brian Burns. Well, I still, I stand by what I said, but at the same time, he put himself in a position twice to tackle the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage. Rashawn Gary hasn't done that yet. And that's why he was drafted. So, He's got to do that. He's he's got to play better. Kadar Holman, it wasn't that he played poorly, but he got hurt. So you know that's a tough. That's just a tough beat. Uh, Ty Summers, as I said earlier, five tackles um, among the, the most in the game, and yet it could have been ten. Had a drive it late in the second half where he missed three or four tackles on one drive. Just slipped off guys. A couple were nice plays where he sees the ball, he goes and attacks, and just falls off his man. You can't do that. You can't do that. I mean, Curtis Bolton clearly running ahead of him and and clearly played better again on Thursday night. That's tough. Dexter Williams, nightmare game. Dropped a screenplay that would have been a huge play. His, his best run of the night was called back on a nonsense holding call on Elton Jenkins. Elton Jenkins, two holding calls. Neither of them were particularly strong calls, I thought. The second one was utter garbage to the point that I thought they actually just had the wrong number. Because it's not holding. It's not even close to holding. It's not even one of those like, oh, well, that happens every possession. And so that's just, that's just like BS. Like every play you could call that. No, it wasn't even that. It was just not even a good call. Like not even a borderline call. The, the the rookies that a lot of them that were really good last week 
were really not good this week. And that includes some undrafted rookies. Uh, even though Tim Boyle's not a rookie, he's he's got to be on that list. Some guys who impressed last week did not impress this week. That is how the NFL can work. We're a week-to-week league. And and the Packers got to put on a lot more of their starters on the field this week. And that's, that's great for them to, to build continuity. You want to see what this new-look defense looks like. And sure, you would have thought that that they would have been better against the run than they were. But at the same time, they played a lot of nickel. And they were like, Baltimore, run the ball. If you want to run the ball, run the ball. But then when, when the windows condense and you get down in the red zone, we think we can cover your guys better than you can throw it. And that turned out to be true. Even on the touchdown, the Trace McSorley touchdown, Chandon Sullivan, who got beat on that play, who... I mean, he didn't have a great game either. He was in perfect position. He just misplayed the ball slightly. I mean, I felt like they showed the replay. The game pass version of the game was the Ravens broadcast, and they showed it a number of times. And every time I'm going, how does he not make that play? How did he not intercept that? How did he not just snag it? Because it it seemed like he almost waited for the ball, that if he had gone and attacked the ball, he would have had an interception. And because he didn't, it turned into a touchdown. Well, that's how you get left off a team, even though that he, even though he's on basically every special teams unit right now. He could get left off the team if they don't think that he can be useful if they need him in the game. It could just be a numbers thing with him. We'll see. I don't want to overreact to anything we saw, whether it's the offense, whether it's the defense. But what you want is a higher level of execution from the Packers and this is going to be an opportunity for Matt LaFleur to lay down the law and say look this is the standard and we need to play to it and we can't play sloppy we need to execute better I don't care who's out on the field we need to execute better that has to be his message to the team doesn't matter if Aaron Rodgers isn't out there whether it's Deshaun Kaiser whether it's Tim Boyle doesn't matter go do your job and go win a football game and look better than you did that's just that's what it has to be but they have the opportunity uh, in front of the Hard Knocks audience uh, in Canada against the Raiders. And, and we presume, barring injury, that Aaron Rodgers is going to make his debut in that game. So we'll finally get our chance to see what this offense looks like for real. I think this is very much the pared down version. We saw a little bit more in terms of condensed formations, in terms of changing up personnel and changing up formations. And, you know, I think that's going to grow as as the preseason goes along. I think as we see more of Aaron Rodgers, we're going to see more of that. But something to keep an eye on as we move through this process. Uh, we're going to be back next week. The Curtis Bolton rookie orientation is coming on Monday with Chris Plank from Sooner Nation. Uh, he's going to be here uh, talking about Curtis, who he just basically refers to Buzzy the whole, the whole time. And we'll be back at it next week training camp stuff, injury stuff, everything we need to talk about, we will talk about next week. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, if they want to know why and how you know what it is. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do it 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.